The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Got that? Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, superfly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! He's a nice guy. I fucking hate the Black Crows. (laughs) They're a very particular band. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. And his solo stuff I've heard is the worst. The worst. <laughs> the worst. But super fucking nice to me. He was really cool. He and his girlfriend or manager, whoever the fuck she was, came into Omora. Right. After they had just performed that shitty stuff that they should perform. And uh, If you're at the act performing, yeah. your career's not on a high trajectory. No. You, is all I'm you saying. You might not be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the right track anymore. It's like the it's like the teacher that you worked with that used to be in the gym blossoms. You're like one <laughs> one failed tour away from a name tag. Yeah, bro. You're at the I fucking still can't believe like <laughs> I was in the gym blossoms. Well, they're pretty big band, right? Like <laughs> why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> at performing at the yeah, Farmington yeah, fucking uh, the fifth blossom, festival. Yes. Well, fifth. you know, speaking of things that Bobby think are the worst slight against humanity that ever existed. <laughs> Here we go. The Snyder Cut of Justice League came out this week, and we've all got some opinions. <laughs> yeah, dude. You are the epitome of hyperbole. I wish people could have heard our fucking meeting last night, calling me the epitome of Did hyperbole. Ever watch one Day at a Time? <laughs> yes. I hear there's a Schneider Cut. <laughs> and it's, it's, just, it's, it's just him trying to rework and fix everything. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, for all, for, that's a super timely fucking, that is you know. Rad. Yeah. yeah. Super about timely. time. Yeah, about time. Someone took a shot at Snyder. So, so okay, let's wrap. free pass for 40 years. Guys, full disclosure, um, this is what this podcast is going to be about this week. Sorry, you know our nerd boners are hard and ready. Um, so Sean, why don't you open it up the forum? What? So honestly, I get to open up cause I'm the one that likes pos- it the most. No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, one of positives and negatives for you. Positives like, let's and just negatives. bullet point. It. All right, let's bullet point it. So let's start with the negatives. I always like to start negative and then end positive and it makes everybody feel better inside. It's like a relationship. Um, the two big negatives I had, I understand that the film was originally shot for an IMAX theater. So that's why it was in four by three. I really wish he hadn't have done that, or especially with all the money they put into it, they could have gone back and redone some stuff so that it was in a widescreen format. Like, I get it. I get that it was filmed like that. And if they had cut it down, it would have made it way worse. Yeah. Um, but if they had gone back and not filmed it like that, I think it would. I just hate seeing that extra space wasted on my fucking TV. I paid for that space. You understand? <laughs> I want to use it. Uh, other than that, I think that f- a four-hour movie wouldn't have worked as well as a six-part, maybe. Uh, film a little bit more. Add a half hour to that story, and so that you can make each part 50 minutes. Because <laughs> you make each part 50 minutes, but you also make sure that each part has a beginning, middle, and end. Because a lot of those parts were like 38 minutes, 36 yeah. minutes. Um, I, and if they had been a series that we could have all ingested, and perhaps even if they had released it one at a time, like Disney Plus has been doing with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision, I think it would have been more effective. It probably would have, like Aaron said to us before the episode, he's like, I think that could have been one of the best seasons of television if it had been done as a series. Uh, positives. 
I super like what they did with the story. Going back to Zack Snyder's original vision, a lot of people don't like the specific vision that, that Zack Snyder has, and I totally get that. But I like how he went back, made it darker than Whedon was trying to. Whedon was trying to make it very saccharine when he made his version that was only two hours. Um, But I liked what they did with the story. I liked Black Suit Superman. I loved everything about Cyborg. I want a whole Cyborg movie. Um, uh, That's a yeah. And I yield my time. (laughs) Much like you, I enjoyed it. Um, It. The biggest hurdle that people are going to find, I think, um, just by virtue of what it is, is that four-hour marathon mark. It's very hard to disregard that. It's a four-hour movie, it's man. A, it makes um, the Irishman look like shallow how. Dude, totally. <laughs> shallow how, like 70 and, minutes or something. And not only was fucking, not only was the movie long, but it had an exhaustive amount of, it was funny. We were watching it, me and Rex. We finally get to the end. And she looks at me and she goes, if there's a motherfucking epilogue, I'm going to kill somebody. And literally on the screen pops epilogue. (laughs) Epilogue. And I started howling. Um, (laughs) It's it's a commitment. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, Sean. I think if they did it as an episodic, if this was on Disney Plus or whatever fucking platform, HBO Max, and it was a seven part thing, I think it'd be some of the most fascinating superhero stuff that we've seen, um, especially for DC. Um, I can't. I can't say enough how much more I like this than the Justice League. Um, I think fucking, I think he did a disservice. Everything from the music. I mean, the Aquaman scene, even though I don't know why he keeps taking off his sweaters. um, Just don't wear a sweater. (laughs) I'll tell Um, you, that's what kept my wife engaged the whole time. She's like, if Jason Momoa keeps taking his shirt off every 40 minutes or so, I can handle the four hours. I wonder if that was a choice by (laughs) Zack Snyder. That being said, even the music of him walking with the whiskey bottle, going from the White Stripes to Nick Cave, there were these smart, more considerate, more serious, more gravitas to the movie that I really appreciated. It's hilarious that that whole CGI mustache thing didn't even need to happen. He cut that completely out. By the way, we're going to full spoil this shit. So you might want to just skip to next week if you haven't seen this yet or don't care. But um, I enjoyed it. If And the hard part is this. I get why people don't like it, too. I enjoyed it, but I can totally see why somebody wouldn't enjoy it. There's a lot of excessive shots. Um, there's a lot of excessive dialogue. There's a lot of shit that I would have cut. I think Bobby, we were talking yesterday and you said if it even cutting it down to three and a half hours would have suited it. I couldn't agree more, but what was there and what was fleshed out and what was conceptualized. I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, aside from the creepy flash touching stuff, um, aside from the Joker reach around, there was some points I didn't like, but overall I loved how he treated each individual character and gave them time. Mm -hmm. And and Wonder Woman came out looking better at the end of it. Cyborg, Flash, they all literally came out looking better in my opinion. Um, even, even fucking, uh, what's it? Steppenwolf Steppenwolf as a character, but as a character arc, you knew why he was there. You know why he's doing what he's doing and you you can understand the 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 impetus to everybody's actions which i really appreciated did it need to be four hours no no but what did bobby say if if you got rid of all if you got rid of if you cut every slow motion (laughs) shot in half you would have lost that 30 minutes already well that's that's all you had to do i told you guys that tweet if you were to take out all the slow-mo out of this movie it would be 37 minutes long (laughs) (laughs) but welcome Uh, to Zack snyder if you've ever seen 300 mm -hmm. nobody moves in full speed i mean i believe i believe uh there, there's a sex scene 
that is in slow motion with Hallelujah behind it that goes on way too long. And that was even in the theatrical cut of Watchmen. Yeah, Did you ever see Von Trier's Antichrist? Do you want to know about the hardest slow-mo yeah. sex scene of all oh, time? God. And full penetration. You watch yeah. fucking Defoe laying it down, dude. <laughs> that creepy fucker who was in he's in a he's an atlantean he's an yes. atlantean. as a tie-in um yep. there was a lot of cool cameos in this too that got cut out as well you had a deathstroke joe mangianella or whatever his name he, is they that part was in the after credits of the original justice okay. league and it was okay. a different conversation where i think they reshot it and lex luther basically said hey since they have their own league let's make a league of our own i i, and, I you know i, I will say the worst casting of this entire thing now, granted, I think Jared Leto's a great fucking actor. <sighs> He's so bad. We can agree um, to disagree. Jesse on that. Eisenberg. So bad. Jesse Eisenberg is the absolute worst choice for a Lex Luthor, in my opinion. I think they could have yeah. gotten anybody else. Weird. It's Very a weird, weird call. I, I see where they were going, though. And that when they made Batman versus Superman, they wanted, I think, Zack Snyder. This is where Zack Snyder's coming from, and maybe it works for a younger audience than us. But to them, the, the 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 evil billionaire now is somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, who played Mark Zuckerberg in the social network. Fucking I heard I heard he got oh it because Michael Sarah was busy. Right? <laughs> there, you can take him in and out. That's probably true. But yeah, that's why they went that way. And I bet you it speaks to a younger audience, but I I never liked Jesse Eisenberg's. I no, I enjoy his acting. He just wasn't good at no, this. No, that's the thing. He just, just doesn't fit. fit. He's yeah. not bad. I see what he's trying to do, but he's not good enough. Now, I want Bobby to take the floor because unlike us, he has a completely different opinion. I want you to flesh out your opinion because it's think important. I, have, I don't think I have that completely different of a, I, Okay. I, I don't like the movie. Okay. Okay. I like tons of the movie, though. There are... I, Zack Snyder, if anything, is a Ridley Scottish great shooter. He's, mm. He should have been a painter. He creates frames. Nice. nice. So his action ends up in a frame and it, and it, you know what I mean? You could, and you could print that motherfucker out and it's the coolest thing you've ever seen. Like he's really good at that. He's exceptional at that. He's not a good storyteller. Hmm. And I don't know if he did the editing on this. I mean, it is the Snyder cut. So I'm assuming he did the editing on it, but not just the length. There are 30 minute segments of exposition between like Batman and Wonder Woman where finally at the end of it, you're like, we fucking know all this. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene could have just been bye bye. Wait, are you talking about the one where she's also like doing the flashback to the first time that Darkseid came to the earth and all of the different yeah, it was all tribes kind of, like, of man interspersed had to... in there? Like, and then they like, because yeah. the background story part was one of my favorite yeah, and it's parts. Fine, that was dude. Dope. It's just the back and forth between uh, the, the dialogue is clunky as shit. Yeah. Um, I like Affleck as a, as a character actor. Mm. I think he does a great job as Bruce Wayne. Um, he's actually one of my favorite parts of this movie. Mm. But when you go back and listen to his dialogue, at times you're just like, oh, this is so, who wrote this? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, so what I've occurred to, I'm actively watching them try to make their Marvel movie. And it's by, mm. it's the flashbacks and it's trying to tie everything together. And we're doing stingers and we're doing, they're trying to create a more lighthearted, adventure Marvel film. The problem is, is that the DC just refuses to go out and hire good people. Mm. And I'm sorry, but Zack Snyder's not a good fucking filmmaker. Mm. I don't think you can find anyone in the world that will say that Zack Snyder is one of the best 50 filmmakers on the planet. And here's where we agree. I will say that having picking Zack Snyder to be the singular vision of where the DCEU was going 
was probably because of how divisive his movies are and how people love or hate him. He's a bad choice for Warner Brothers to be like, you are the master of all of our DC content. You're going to set the tone with Man of Steel. You're going to fuck with the tone in Batman versus Superman. And then you're going to dial back the tone with Justice League. I agree that they should have probably done something different, but I like what he did. I still like the Zack Snyder version of this. This will never be canon in my head. This will never be like a representation of what I loved about the comics. It'll just be the, this is that Zack Snyder version. Kind of like how I feel about the Nolan verse. I love the Nolan movies, but they exist for me in their own microcosm. And it's hard to watch a movie that's setting up all this shit that's literally never going to fucking happen. We're never going to see any of that. Yeah, there, there there was a lot of that gratuitous masturbatory stuff that he put in. One of my biggest drawbacks to it, and again, as far as an enjoyable experience, I enjoyed it without all the fanfare or all the forethought about knowing characters as a singular instant movie in time. I enjoyed the sequence after sequence. There were some parts though, knowing what we know, like, dude, I'm sorry that Martian Manhunter shit. I can't let it go, dude. It is the oddest choice Mm. to have potentially the second most powerful character in the universe, potentially. And his plot was to fucking disguise himself as Superman's mom to talk to Lo. It was just, I don't. <laughs> and he does it. You don't even get why. the payoff of him rolling in to help no, at the end. Like it, it would have been figured, dope. That's a big like no. And that's that's another thing where you go. Marvel has rules and Marvel does things very different way. And I hate comparing these two because they're such very different approaches. It's going to happen in the world where superhero movies are all we have these days that come out in theaters and make a ton of money. People are going to compare them. And while I do really enjoy this movie, I don't think it belongs in the same conversation as most of the Marvel movies. You said you like you'd watch Thor: The Dark World before, and I'd have to disagree with that. Before <laughs> I, I think this, is, fuck yeah. I think it's better than like I think it's better than at least the bottom three Marvel movies. I mean, it's better sure. than the Edward Norton Hulk, I guess. But like it, <laughs> Iron Man Two, and it's not the fact that it's Iron Man Two is actually not bad, man. It's Iron okay. Man Two's it's fine. It's fun. It's fine. It's, it's fun. fucking just watching Mickey Rourke chew scenery. I want my board. It set up so much stuff that never ever happened to Mickey. That's one of the continuity <laughs> right. lapses in the yeah. MCU. And Mickey Rourke is the most difficult person to watch act. <sighs> Let's just be honest. At this point, that man's got more silicone than fucking. Yeah. But dude, in the very beginning, when his dad fucking dies and he's just slamming vodka with his greasy ass fingernails, and yeah. he just starts screaming into the into the ceiling. He's like, ah, ah, I'm old ah, enough. I'm old enough to remember like... Mickey Rourke as a handsome young man, right? Uh, Pope that was supposed to be like the. The yeah. next James Dean. Yeah, he literally was. You know what I mean? Outsiders. Fucking, like, he had that nine mantle before weeks. River Phoenix, you know, because that was what yeah, it, sure. they always attached that to River. But yeah, I mean. And he got great artsy movies like Barfly. Dude, and Angel, fucking, yeah. dude Angel Heart. Angel Heart with great. De Niro. He was fucking great in it, dude. Great movie. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, but anyway. Lisa uh, Bonet shows her bubbies. She oh, shows, does and, she? and Bill Cosby uh, decided not to roofie her. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking um, of, wait, can I, <laughs> Jason Momoa tangent, Jason Momoa tangent, uh, yeah. Jason Momoa is married to fucking Lisa Bonet. Yeah, he is. And can you imagine being Zoe and being like, here's my stepdad. Try not to fuck him. All my friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Can we put them down as the most fuckable family? Probably. Jason Momoa, say. Lenny Kravitz. Kravitz. Lisa Bonet and, and Zoe, Zoe Kravitz, Kravitz could possibly be the four best looking people on the they planet. Probably are the four best looking <laughs> oh people on the planet. I point. just thought about that and I'm really angry that I'm white. <laughs> I've got white. This is anti white privilege happening right That's now. That's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to hate our whiteness. Uh, white, guilt, it's white guilt. White guilt. Um, guys, 
We're going to continue this discussion because I know you're all fascinated. We have more to um, more to bring to the table. Yes, we and do. if you didn't know it because you clicked on it and you're listening, this is the riskiest of wheels and the whiskiest of reels. This is the whiskey reel. We are at least a quarter mile below the Earth's surface in the bunker. We're still waiting on Kevin to get back to fix the AC. However, it's a beautiful pre-spring day here in old Durangi. Uh, could not be more beautiful outside. This is why we live here. It's not for the other stuff. Trust me, it's definitely not for the people. 300 uh, <laughs> plus days of sunshine, according to the tourism department. That's a load of shit, sir. <laughs> After growing up in LA, I renounced that statement. Um, um, guys, you know what you're here for. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. We got some super fun stuff. We got a very, very special call later mm-hmm. by a local politician. See, we're grownups. We do grownup shit. It's not all comic book <laughs> movies and orgies. Trust me, it really isn't. Um, but we are going to introduce ourselves. Sean, take it away. All right. To my right is Wolfgang Fuck himself, Mr. Tony Montanus, the opposite of Dorian Gray and... The holder of the hammer that says Soul Crusher. Yes, sir. Aaron Antonio Ebrenderes. I'm sorry. I got my own reggaeton horn that I I travel around (laughs) with. Super, Um, super egotistical. (laughs) To to my right, one of my favorite people, at least my top 10 people in my life. He is the heir to the Van Noy's family bitchwater fortune, as you know, lovingly known as Squatch Toe. Um, And... You know, we call him Hiv Tyler because he hasn't gone full blown Tyler yet. Uh, so he is Hiv Tyler, and recently named uh, Peter Pandemic. Uh, that is his. That is his nom <laughs> diplom. Um, this is Mister Bobbeth Van Noyes of the Tallahassee Van Noises. Uh, oh man, Peter, Peter Pandemic. That's pretty funny. Oh, um, God. Well, directly across from me, just gazing into my eyes and losing himself (laughs) is sweet Jesus Chuddleworth. Sweet Jesus Chuddleworth. The loudest man I've ever met and we call him Trainhorn. He is Lord Loquacious. But today, my friends, he is the Fried Piper. (laughs) We're getting new ones today. I love this. He is the giant chode with a heart of gold. Wow. The human Iditarod. The human Iditarod. <laughs> wow, we we are way, Sean Moriarty. We, we think our fucking names are so funny. <laughs> it's just yeah, us jerking off. Well, it is. Oh, that's so literally what we do. So, uh, <laughs> name one podcast that's not a circle jerk. <laughs> tough. Um, let me see. All female podcasts. It's a circle, oh. or it's an oval, ovarian oval. It's a circle bang. T- tickle circle bang. Thank circle you. bang. Not a circle jerk. Yeah, okay. Just, just flicking beans. Fucking Captain Hiccups is already here. How much spice? No, I have a spicy food before I, you come here. I'm not hiccuping you, dickhead. I, you heard Jesus. it, Bobby. I heard it. Uh, so, yes, last night I ventured to our favorite purveyor, Star Liquors, and I went and actually asked uh, one of the staff members, Johnny. I was like, John, point me in the direction of a whiskey. He's like, it's kind of not my field. I don't know a lot about the whiskeys. I was like, that's why I want you to do it. So he pointed me in this direction and, and in this at this spirit because it was a Gavin pick. I'm not sure if you've seen his little star put next to things. Uh, it is called Old Dominic, and it's Hewling Station Very Small Batch. They have a few different versions of this, a few different colored labels. I think they have a green and a blue. This is the red Old Dominic label, and it is a bourbon from Memphis, Tennessee. Nice. And uh, what do we taste, gentlemen? Let's start with Bobby. We discovered early... That it's a hundred proof, so this has a little bit of um, it. It warms you up, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But on the palate, it is not hot. I, I mean, I think this is a very smooth, drinkable, not overly astringent, 
uh, really nice sipper. Um, it definitely warms your belly up, no doubt about that, because mm-hmm. it's a hundred fucking proof. <laughs> <laughs> um, classic notes. Aaron and I discussed it before a little bit. Like, I don't think it has as much body as you would expect from this big of a whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but that's I'm, I'm not even going to call it a negative. It, it really just goes down super, super smooth, super easy. It's got a little more corn, I think, than a typical bourbon. It's 52. 50. Oh, so yep. it's just slightly. It's yeah, 52% slightly more. corn, 44% rye, and 4%. How much rye? 44%. Dog. Yeah, brother. Yeah. High yeah, rye. Mocaroni. It's definitely, uh, Sean will tell you the price. Mm-hmm. I will t- I'll go in front of that and say definite buy. Um, what did you say, Sean? How much was it? 40? $40.99. Yeah, so man. 41. Um, it's definitely a buy at that. Again, if it was 50, not a buy. So you right. figure that out, yep. that conundrum. Um, I couldn't agree more. Bobby and I were talking about it before. This uh, tap dances over your palate. This doesn't land. It's kind of ephemeral in that regard. It has an attack and a finish and not much mid palate. Typically, that would be a knock. Um, I don't necessarily think so. Again, I think about it being ephemeral and very light um, Mm -hmm. and very kind of a dandy sort of bourbon. It's not it's not a heavy Kentucky lay down Sally sort of shit. It is more of highbrow, a little bit more elevated in the viscosity region. I put my nose in this and all I got was fucking basically like eggnog or apple cider Mm -hmm. where it's like red apple, cinnamon and clove. And it jumped right out of the glass, which was really pleasant. I think my first thought was. Since this doesn't have a middle, what you could do with it is add a middle to it. This would make a motherfucker of a fucking Manhattan. Hell yes. Um, More so than an old fashioned, more so than anything else. I think that vermouth, that sweet vermouth or even a Carpano, so like an aged vermouth or something a little bit more sophisticated would lend itself to body. And that's what this, I think, calls for. So maybe they they, they distilled it with the intention of it mixing, but it's a very pleasant sipper at 100 proof, like Bobby said. Yeah. It is very non-offensive and it's got all the traditional breakfast spices and then you get into i i'm shocked at 44 percent rye it doesn't feel rye heavy it doesn't taste i get the i feel the rye on my tongue like 10 seconds after i've taken a sip i can feel like the rye has like this little bit of a sparkly feel if there's Mm. a high rye content on a whiskey i get the sparkly feel on the end you can Um, be sensitive that's the beauty sometimes people are yeah pop Pop rocks sometimes sometimes you're i don't have a incredible sensitivity to rye mm. so it doesn't do that thing i almost have to taste it to know rather than feel rye i yep, have to no, taste I it that. i don't taste the rye but you guys um, were you guys were yeah. dead nuts on with the baking spices they get tons of cinnamon nutmeg um i love whatever they're doing with the barrels and just if i was going to say one thing about this for 100 proof it's probably top three most well-balanced 100 proof bourbons i've had God, we've had some fucking clunkers yeah. at 100 proof on this program. Um, this because we're degenerates not... and we frequently go, ah, I'll get us more fucked well, up. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there was a day low many these many years ago. There was a day where about every three weeks we would just roll in with Rittenhouse because we were in a complete fuck it state of mind. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we were, we figured drinking 118 proof shit was where it was at. I think um, we rotated Rittenhouse and Fernet. For like seven weeks straight, <laughs> we you're like, like it's Rittenhouse again. Yeah, I brought some Rittenhouse guys, and I, oh, oh, and I got some Fernet. <laughs> well, and this <laughs> today we're watching uh, Swordfish, and we're gonna yell about it. Yeah, this it sucks. This was the day we'd record two episodes in a row, Ugh. and if you could imagine, the first one would be Fernet, and the second one would be Gin or something. It was not okay. Not no, okay. we did not treat ourselves well. I would say this is a buy. Are you guys? In the I'm grades? saying it's a buy. Yeah, what I was the price it. again on $40, it? Forty dollars, forty-one dollars, forty-one, $41. $41. Now that may vary. 
vary depending on the purveyor, but generally you're looking at around the same price, give or take a couple dollars, depending on the state you're in, taxes. Shit and like honestly, guys, with craft bourbon prices, that's really in the fucking very reasonable. Yeah. Not an Irish. This is not some a gin. That's something that typically mm-hmm. shouldn't be over thirty dollars ever. By the yep. way, you know. By the way, I want. I don't want to get everybody too excited on the on the episode. I think the next time I buy something, I saw a little bottle roll into a wagon wheel. Um, <laughs> it is called. Whistle pig, and it is a small. It's the first time I've seen their small batch rye. It's eighty book, and it's I 80? think I'm gonna grab that bottle for us. Boys. I saw a whistle pig at Star yesterday. And I almost grabbed just to say they're, fuck you. It was like two twenty nine. Their or some entry, shit. their entry level whistle pig is is eighty bucks. Yeah. So this is a small batch rye. I think I'm gonna pull the trigger and fuck just yeah, treat dude. yourself, fool. Fuck it. Well, yeah. I'll Venmo you some money for that shit, dude. I'm I'm yeah, very excited about that. Now. Does by the way, I didn't see Carol's car in the parking lot. Did She's she show here. up today? She's here. I think she okay. slept in the office. All right. Do you want to buzz her? Her fixie bike is, uh, you know, chained to the radiator. <laughs> she like crashed, she used she to crashed be. on the couch. Yeah. Did she, again? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, hey, Carol. Do you have some info on this distiller and this whiskey for us? Oh yes, John. I definitely do. Uh, Hewling Station is a small batch bourbon, an homage to the whiskeys of pre-Prohibition Memphis, with a high rye mash bill reminiscent of those offered by Domenico Canale in his heyday. I believe he was the, the guy that started the distillery years and years ago, back when people rode horses. And here's a quote about the distiller. We don't just master our domain, we innovate and expand. Led by master distiller Alex Castle, we are ever evolving what it means to take a sip of old Dominic. When it comes to spirits, I consider myself a restless experimenter, she says. These bottles contain a handcrafted distillation of my vision for each individual spirit. I hope you enjoy them as much as I have enjoyed creating them. She is just a delight. Thanks, Care Bear. I like that. I don't know. Have we ever featured a, a female master distiller? I think we have think we actually. Have. There, we've done a couple gin. I remember that one gin yeah. that the the two ladies make that, and I forgot the name of it. Mm-hmm. But, but it was you solid. Know, shame on gin. me. Uh, there, are the, the tradition of women distilling or vintners is a very long tradition. Got to big ups my 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 uh, brethren over in France. These mm-hmm. are where my folks are from. They've been having women make wine for hundreds of years. It's nice to see. American distillers, uh, I think, like in all of our lives, if you've ever lived with a woman, they have a touch when it comes to everything from decor to nagging. Um, they they have a they have quite a touch. Um, but I'm just kidding. But but they have a they have a different expression, obviously, like we all do. But it's nice to get a little bit. Maybe that's why it's a little bit more ephemeral. It's a little bit more aloof. Almost as a as a spirit, um, I I really enjoy it for that reason. It's easy to just pack a punch. So this this whiskey just doesn't care if you like it or not. Um, much I guess so. What you're trying to say. Much like Bobby's last three relationships, <laughs> it doesn't care if you like it. Or not. But it's good to see this because in the states, man, in the states, distilling, brewing, uh, for the longest time, were just these boys' clubs where yep. it was really hard for a female, even if they were interested to get an apprenticeship, because you get these guys that are all like, oh, it's going to change the way we can't say dick jokes back and forth. I'm like, you know what? Chances are you're probably still going to be able to say the dick jokes. It's only sexual harassment if the person that you're saying it around is uncomfortable with it. So you check in with them. Hey, do you like fucked up jokes? Cool. You're part of the team. Well, also, can you not go eight hours without fucking making a dick joke? No. I cannot. <laughs> no. Uh, no. You, okay. Have you what? met Sean? <laughs> that's true none of us have real jobs right so. Exactly. yeah right uh, so i mean this goes back to working in a kitchen like i remember when women became very much um on the forefront of of the culinary explosion that happened after the food network we're talking late 90s yeah and you saw a whole bunch of young 
uh, very aggressive, very talented women start hitting kitchens. And man, there was more than one lady that ran out of our kitchens crying because she couldn't it wasn't conducive to a very fucking positive experience. Yeah, it can the, be abusive. The women that held on, well, it was abusive. We abused ourselves, let alone everybody. Yeah. You were just everybody else. We actually was very equal rights in as much as we harassed everybody. Yeah. So I saw a lot of people run out and, the, and the, the young ladies that stood and took it are now fucking head chefs of very good restaurants. So they they were just badasses and it, it yep. didn't matter how much fucking, how many dick jokes we told. You know, I, I'm all for us cleaning up our land language and cleaning up our attitudes and getting rid of old things but it, it's also like when people stop swimming in ditches and ponds and all of a sudden everybody gets sick because right, you're yeah. not building up an immunity to anything right. and if we sanitize our language so much then then everything is going to make you fucking break down Dude. you're going to be triggered by the most innocuous bullshit Amen. and that's scary man you got to build up antibodies <laughs> you, you, you you have to build them up over time. They just don't happen. Um, but yeah, you have to. You have to. You do. You have to get a thick skin about shit. Otherwise, fucking everything. You know, Peter every pan. Peter Pandemic and the Antibodies. <laughs> it's a new children's book coming to you from Aaron Brandis at the Whiskey Room. Opening up from Unglued first. Um, but no, you're right. Uh, Bobby couldn't be more right about that. It's it's we've lysoled our lives, and it fucking it's just going to lead true. to everybody being. We've already seen it. I'm so tired of talking about everybody getting so triggered, and it's like you can't you you know Bill Burr uh, you know has an interracial marriage, and he's still racist somehow. And that's not to say people. It's a it's like the libertarians who have like there's a famous website libertarians who have Asian girlfriends. And they have this fetishized view of Asians because, yeah. and even though they're racist and separatist and segregating, um, they still consider Asians are okay because they're subservient. It's this weird paradoxical thing, but but still, I think we're very we're very washed out when it comes to cancel. Culture. I would offer up that that's got to be a. a- that's a real thing. An offshoot of libertarians, though. Like, that can't be. <laughs> no, it's, it's all of them. I know a lot of libertarians. I've self-identified as a libertarian. No, before, but it's a, And it's, I don't know anything about this Asian fetish. It's like a chat room thing. It, there's like a dedicated website for these people. There's all subreddits. They're racist. However, Asians are okay because they're subservient. Right. It's this very strange fucking, you know, yeah. incongruency that I I mean, whatever, dude, whatever makes your boat float, but it's just fucking weird. So the point of the story is, yes, yeah. it's let's get more chicks making booze because they crush it. Fucking so right. Did she get this position through the Burger King Master Distiller program? <laughs> <laughs> she graduated so from the kids did. club. She started with the Burger King kids club. That is obviously a And joke. then moved up. <laughs> <laughs> to the she used to brunch program. bartend at El Moro, Please and now she's me. making whiskey. Please don't cancel me. Hey, say what you will me. about Burger King, but they tried to be fancy for a minute. I remember one time I went into the Burger King here like 10 years ago. Nobody does that. I did. I went into the Burger King because <laughs> the drive-thru was close, and I wanted I wanted a Whopper. So I go in there, and I went over to the fucking soda fountain, and underneath each soda fountain was a sticker that told you what items on the menu that soda paired with. <gasps> That's miraculous. Sprite and chicken fries, got to tell you, was pretty fucking delightful. Oh, that's <laughs> solid. Yeah. Okay. I haven't been in that Burger King since I was on a band trip in 1991. It's the, <laughs> it's the worst Burger King. It's the worst Burger King on the western side of the United States. I came up it from is. Bloomfield for a <laughs> band concert. Bobby and his sousaphone. Yeah. <laughs> I was a trombonist. Oh, sorry. You were a tromboner. Dude, uh, trombone. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, as far as deep third seat. As far as, <laughs> as, far as brass is concerned. 
Trumpet might be number one just because of the physicality of the plant, but trombone is definitely not far behind. That is a fucked up instrument to play. <laughs> That's a weird <laughs> to one. To hit fucking notes correctly yeah. that fast is a miracle. You must have been very that. popular though when, you know, the Mighty <laughs> Mighty Boss the- tones <laughs> were like when ska was huge when you were in high school. You're that probably was right before that. Were you wearing one of those like bowler hats while you played it? When did the boss tones first come to prominence? Like 90, 94, 95 ish. Yeah, and I he say was... prominence in air quotes. Air quotes. Oh uh, yeah, so you but... were you were like twenty. So not you only given up the not only did Bobby yeah. play a ska instrument, but it was pre ska being cool. <laughs> so you really knocked it out of the knocked park. <laughs> the evidence for you being a full on hipster just keeps building. It piles up, building. my friend. <laughs> That's when things got out of control. That's when I quit playing football because the game got too violent for me and I, I was worried about concussions and uh, CTE, early I, uh, CTE. I'll tell you this CTE. right now. If I know that if, if, if it was the same marching band kids that, that I had at my high school, chances are they had worse CTE because they were getting smashed against lockers every day. The football players were just, you know, having two a days and yep. nothing. Yep. It's fine. Yeah, they're just Gross. loosening up. They at least had helmets on. These band camp kids just have a tiny little hat and you just smash their face. I need right. to loosen my quads. You I need to toss nerds. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of dwarfs, boys. Let's get them nerds. <laughs> We're out uh, of dwarfs. <laughs> so, they don't need a lot. They don't need a lot. Um, Except for Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> we can't lift him. Um, uh, <laughs> so, okay, let's circle back to this because it's okay. worth circling back to. We've nerded out on far less for a lot longer. Let's get back to this. Schneider cut and figure out what we're doing here. Now, in your opinion, I know Bobby didn't like it as much as we did, and that's fine. And some weird alternate dimension, I didn't like it as much either, but I do. It's very, I'm very like the parts torn on you, this. You seem to be like the parts that you really hated. You hated so much that it knocked more points off than it. Normally I just didn't would've. understand. It wasn't I hated, but like the end credit scene, the post apocalyptic injustice lead up scene with the Joker, the Martian Manhunter stuff. I just didn't understand it, and it left me scratching my head. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I was just like, why, dude? Like, why? What? Why did this happen? And so it was very kind of like jarring almost after enjoying most of the movie and I thought it was very like um, I thought it was very uh, like I said had a lot of gravitas and was very focused and directed and it was supposed to be dark and a little bit somber and I really appreciated that because I hate corny shit and the first the Joss Whedon stuff was Buffy the Vampire Slayer Batman it did not Work. It, Joss Whedon, and that's that's another failure on the part of Warner Brothers. When Zack Snyder has to leave a project, and they think that it's in trouble because they hated how much the how much that Batman versus Superman dis- divided audiences. By the time Batman versus Superman's out, they're already like full bore pre production, about yeah. to start shooting Justice League. So it was their opportunity to go. We need to go in a completely opposite direction when we replace him, and they picked a guy who had just made two fucking Avengers movies and even brought some of Avengers Age of Ultron into his version of the Justice League. Adding that Russian family, I was like, oh, I got some mad Sokovia vibes here, bruh. Like, you're, so it was a bad tonal choice. If you're going to get rid of Zack Snyder, you need to go with somebody dark. Like, be like, fuck it. You know who might be able to save this? David fucking Fincher. Throw him hmm. whatever money he there wants and have him do this darker version. That'd be interesting, actually. Yeah, to and see you can his, tell yeah. when, you, when you watch the original theatrical cut you, and this cut next to each other, because I watched the other one the day before just to catch up and be like, okay, I want to know exactly what this was like. Right. 
fucking Joss Whedon it didn't seem to have the same rapport with the actors. It seemed like Zack Snyder was getting better performances mm. out of these actors than Joss Whedon was. And that's had to do a lot with Joss Whedon walking onto that set and basically being like, this fucking thing sucks. Zack Snyder sucks. This is a p- I'm going to turn this piece of shit around. And he was mm. kind of abusive to some of the cast members. We've heard about Ray Fisher. Right. But like it just was that was another terrible misstep by Warner Brothers. Yeah, I agree. And if you ever wanted if it was a childhood dream to make David Fincher tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> Do you ask him that question? Ask him to fucking come on and direct one of your shitty I was gonna go, DCU movies. I was going to go Danny Boyle, but whatever. I mean, tomato, <laughs> tomato. Um, no, but I think I, I definitely think there was there was something to be desired. I, I keep going back to the runtime, and I think that's going to be the biggest impediment to this movie is people simply just being wowed and wide-eyed by the runtime. It's almost like that's the first part of the discussion instead of the content of the movie. And that's really unfortunate because the content of the movie, the con- contextually, what he was trying to do, I get. I don't agree with all of his choices, but I understand them. Yeah. Whereas Joss Whedon, I didn't understand his choices after now, especially man, it's almost sucks to be him at this point. Cause now you're looking at the Snyder cut going, Oh dude, you, fu-. it wasn't like he changed it. It's like he fucked it up. And I, and that's the difference. You know, and I, <laughs> I would not put it past Disney to be like, Hey bro, we will give you 50 million under the table to your Cayman Islands account. If you go in there and throw a giant monkey ranch into the DC fucking engine. Oh, now that's a fucking crazy Sean nerd is. conspiracy theory. But, you know, Joss Whedon has gotten a little bit too big for his britches when it comes to the way he acts and how he thinks of himself. Especially considering, yes, he did a great work with the Avengers, but the fucking brothers that directed Endgame and Infinity War and, you know, all the Captain Americas, fucking next level. Can we talk about that for just a second? Yeah. In, yeah. And I know you don't want to compare those two universes. But I think that's exactly why the MCU works and why DC doesn't work is because they're unafraid of taking someone they think has a a vision that's going to work within the MCU, set down the directives and say, this is our this is how this movie ends up. Here are the five fucking plot points. These have to fucking happen. Other than that, though, be you. They hired the two brothers from fucking community and, and happy arrested endings development. and yeah. arrested development. Like that's all those guys had done. They had no bona fides as far as making superhero right. films. Nope. They took a chance and hired Edgar Wright. That didn't work out, mm-hmm. but they rolled the dice and said, well, yes. no, we, we, this is, we like what this guy's vision is, mm-hmm. you know, and that we think he can add something. DC doesn't do that. Like no. you said, there's a singular voice mm-hmm. that's been going like. <laughs> you know, from well, if you count two, I shit. would say it would be Zack Snyder, and then Jeff Johns was their de facto fucking Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. Jeff Johns yeah. is a guy who's yeah. been hardcore writer of DC comics, written some of the best DC comics out there, and they gave. And for some reason, I don't think Warner Brothers gave them the Marvel Studios is a much different machine that is more well oiled and has these ready to go. It's almost like a factory. We are going to be able, no matter how new you are, our entire studio is set up to crush the effects, make it all look. Make it all fit with each other, all that stuff. Warner Brothers spent their sweet time while Marvel was doing this, hoping that there was going to be another fucking way they could squeeze money out of Harry Potter. They had lost tons of money. After The Matrix and Harry Potter, they were like, fuck, now that the Batman movies are over, we don't have anything to play with in this new superhero fucking fad. Now they're playing catch up and they're doing a shitty job of it. They're rushing their way to something. See, that's the interesting you brought that out, that Jeff Johns, he's a writer. But this is the thing. People always ask, like, I, I, and I hate to, I'll, I'll turn it on me, 
what do you do? It doesn't look like you do anything. And my mm. response to that is always, is everything working correctly and badass? Yes, you're welcome. Kevin Feige, he didn't do anything except compile talent. And I don't know if this Jeff Johns guy, just because he can write dialogue doesn't mean he's good at recognizing talent. Right. Those are two different skill sets. So without a Kevin Feige, he, they need, DC needs their Kevin Feige. Yeah. That's what they need. They need the head of the pyramid to then hire talented people, whether they're just coming off community and have no experience or no yeah. bona fides, or they're actually really um, reputable people, regardless of that and everything in between, you need somebody that's going to herd the cats mm -hmm. and in dc it, they, it seems like they do shit and cross their fingers yeah. whereas kevin feige goes nah man taika well, i have a fucking i you need to get like bobby said you need to get to fucking a to z yeah i don't care what happens with b c d e and f have fun but you gotta get to a to z as long as you do that here's fucking 100 million dollars Go have a and good we'll, time. And we'll take care of the rest. We have exactly. the cinematographers have already all had a retreat together. Exactly. They know exactly how to shoot everything because we right. want to saw the match. And, uh, and to give Kevin Feige more credit, that motherfucker's so ride or die Marvel. He's been around at Marvel Studios when it was still a division of Fox to a degree. Crazy. Like he worked on, I think, one of the, he was, he had the benefit of being around to watch how not to do it too. I think he worked on Fantastic yeah. Four and the yeah. first wow. Daredevil yeah, movie yeah, and yeah. shit. He was a much lower on the totem pole, but he got to sit there and frustratedly go, why the fuck are you doing this? And took all the notes, I imagine, on how to not do this. Well, and Feige, you talk about herding cats. Sometimes you have to kill the cat. Sometimes you have to fucking get rid of the cat. Put it in a bucket. And when you keep hiring fucking Chris Terrio to oh fucking God, write your dude, screenplays. For every shitbag Batman movie they've made. Now this one. He, he wrote the fucking Rise of Skywalker. Did he? Yeah, that Ugh. should that should give you an impression on this guy's dialogue. So he skills. writes. Is it so, maybe time to move along from Chris Terrio? Why, why I mean, do you let that? It's you're you're writing at the level of 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 a high quality, um, a very high. Let's say it's a very high quality fan fiction blog, is what he wrote in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Hey, imagine this is Star Wars porn the way you always imagine. I was like, we don't want everything that uh, as children we imagined would happen because that's stupid. No, <laughs> well, I wanted a, a fucking ben, pony. I don't want one yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Ben Affleck guy. Okay, okay. Like he co-wrote, I think, Argo with Ben Affleck. Did I think they he? go Which way is a back great or whatever. I mean, yeah, and it's a great movie. Yeah. And and so he got hired on to do this stuff as soon as Affleck came on as Batfleck. And, right. Uh, again, I like it. <laughs> I don't mind. I, I like, like Affleck. Affleck. I mean, I think he seems a little stocky in his costume for some reason. They're trying to fairly Frank is, Miller it up. He is Frank Miller. He is so swole patrol in that fucking costume. He's never had arms like that in his entire life. I mean, he's no. a big dude. And he's a big dude, but yeah. I'm telling you, that suit, dog, if we no. wore that suit, yeah. go to go to Joel's oh, on a dude. Friday with that suit on and talk to me. Um, <laughs> I'd look like a toad in that fucking like thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's, I mean, I, I like Ben Affleck a lot, but yeah, I, they, they, they were trying to really lean heavy. And, and it makes sense when you're talking about Zack Snyder, who's done Frank Miller films um, before. Yeah. yeah. So like he would lean on that. Um, that particular concept of Batman. And 47 like abs. That, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we'll, I mean, we'll also never know what a Zack Snyder Man of Steel, because when they started doing Man of Steel is when they decided this is when we're going to start building our Marvel Universe. We, we might as well start it with Superman, our flagship fucking guy. Yeah. Right? They were, Warner Brothers was really heavily involved in really fucking with Zack Snyder's steez during all that. Warner Brothers is notorious for fucking with the artists that they choose. They don't trust them. They only trust money. 
Yep. Um, Disney has a lot more respect for the artists. And I, I, I mean, this is something we could glo- gleam from watching this stuff go down. But like, this is the shit I hear from industry people that go, yeah, like Warner Brothers is a bitch, dude. They don't, they will, the second that they don't like something, the second that their boardroom doesn't like something, even though they're not the fucking audience for this, it's reshoots. It's we got to take this in a different direction. And so we don't even know what this, th- at least this shows me what Zack Snyder without a fucking leash looks like. And I'm like, this is much better. Still probably not the best choice to be the fucking leader of the DCEU yeah. in vision and in tone, but I like it a lot better. I agree. Still. You know, it's interesting. You, you brought up Watchmen, which I think you and I probably would agree. I think Watchmen is his best film. I fucking love that's Yeah. I would say, duh. I, I love Dawn of the yeah. Dead. I loved his Dawn of the Dead remake. I it was thought it was phenomenal. Great. So, so fucking And it's good. the hardest, one of the hardest remakes to do. Of mm-hmm. course Is Romero. Yeah. It, it just is. And, and yep. he knocked it and, out of the yeah. fucking park with it. Dude. But as good as Watchmen is elements of, there's obviously parts of Watchmen that are dumb as shit. Amen. <laughs> um, but it, a lot of it works. I like the action in it. I like his, uh, he seemed to respect the characters to some degree, although he changed some of their, their arcs a little bit and all that. Um, changed the ending where it's, well, it made, I like the ending they did with Dr. Manhattan instead of the giant alien instead squid, of the, the squid yeah. thing, but a lot of people had a problem with that. I think stuff. Billy Crudup's hog was one of the major considerations. <laughs> the so, but then we got the real hog. On the TV show version yeah, of the brother, Whoa. that guy was fucking. And by the way, what a better fucking vision! Even Amen. though it doesn't follow the comic books, Amen. it was a completely um, uh, written. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they wrote a fucking Watchmen story, dude. That yeah. was beautiful, you know? that, and it was a commentary on our current political yeah. climate, just like the one in the eighties. Was so just good. to have just to have Watchmen be followed by Lovecraft Country, yeah, and watch like how pertinent like everything is socially and civilly it's really fucking fun because that's what watchmen were right it was supposed to be a fucking indictment well if i was an intern in a fucking boardroom at dcu i'd be like hey you know what we should do get all those fucking people yeah did all that really good work give john favreau 10 billion dollars and and give feige whatever he wants that warner brothers is fighting so fucking hard to stay relevant when it comes to how much money they can throw at this i mean they put so much extra money into the special effects for this Snyder cut. And while it looked cool and it does, it works because of Zack Snyder's dark and very high contrast, like the the, the style that he has. Right. At the same time, like leaps and bounds the CGI in quality from Marvel. Marvel's is perfect. Like I watched fucking Endgame it's, the other um, day. It's, Thanos is perfect looking. It looks like he's a real person. I'm looking at uh, at Steppenwolf, yeah. and he looks way more detailed and so much better. But at the same time, he still looks like an Xbox Series X, very well, video gaming. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought they would have saved enough money from Wonder Woman 1984 and put that into the Snyder Cut. They apparently because spent fourteen dollars on special effects for dog, that fucking movie. Dog. <laughs> they That's got true. a fucking. They got a fucking Texas Instruments fucking computer to do the CGI you for know, that movie. And there's and there's another there's another example right there. You have the exact same director Patty Jenkins who did both Wonder uh, Wonder Woman movies, but those movies if you watch them back to back are th- completely different. Look, tone, it doesn't fit with how, itself. Oh, this is what I'm saying, Sean. How do you do a first opening salvo of Wonder Woman that is so good? Mm. That first Wonder Woman, go back and watch that is fucking great. It's amazing. Um, go watch this what happened did you have a head injury what happened like no, were you trying think, to make think, an 80s movie <laughs> th- uh, that's what i was thinking some smart ass in the fucking that can't be the, it 
had, came in and said, you know what we should do? Some sort of like Stranger Things version of fucking Wonder Woman. <laughs> Come on. Hey, how about this fucking wishing stone? I, I saw gonna, We're going to purposefully do yes. bad work. That just mall scene is the, the goofiest genre. shit I've ever fucking seen, dude. I, I will, going back to, to Justice League, I famously I say I want to see superheroes doing superhero shit. Watching Wonder Woman throw a fucking terrorist into a wall and watch his blood-stained body yeah, drip yeah. down gave me such a sense of elation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say you hate the movie when I can go, what about this scene? Oh, yeah, that was good. What about this scene? Oh, yeah, that was good. What about this scene? After a while, I'm out of scenes and you're telling me all the scenes are good. And then, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get as a complete over umbrella of a movie, how you might not like it. Do you, it, it leaves you kind of wanting, but scene by scene, especially now that we know what Joss Whedon did, it's almost like, oh, he fucked that up. Oh, he fucked that up too. Oh, really? White stripes while he's walking down the wharf? Really cool. Icky thump. Bye. Like the wrong Bye. Song. Um, Like, it's these bad, bad decisions one after another. The corny fucking dialogue. And I can't tell you how corny Joss Whedon is to me. He just seems like the Starbucks, 35-year-old Starbucks iMac guy that's writing his script while he's drinking his 10th latte and he wants to tell you how he's going to fix everything. And I just, he's insufferable to yep. me. He's got a lifelong pass for me. Yep. So, <laughs> Firefly. I think we can, yeah, for Firefly. Dude, yeah. Lifelong I get pass. it. Scorsese does the same for me. Yep. You can do whatever you want now, you Marty. You had me in Mean Streets, you old fucking prick. I hear, Mar- <laughs> I hear Scorsese's doing the Martian Manhunter. Oh, man. Wow. It's yeah, going to be awesome. Sense. It's going to be four and it's four hours and 40 minutes. See, and the Martian Manhunter deserves a great story because his backstory and like the racist genocidal war on Mars between yeah. white Martians and green Martians. It's so relevant. That whole story, which they've touched on in Supergirl, that's like the shit that kept me going with Supergirl was them in the first couple seasons, them going back to the Jean Jones story. Uh, they need to do a Martian Manhunter movie. I'm just saying our whole point here is Warner Brothers, stop fucking up, get somebody and put together a sub studio in your studio yep. and get the money to do this right. That's it. Get the people. Yeah. Dude, hire the right. What did I tell you? Management is 80% and if you of management. you got to a couple of those cats from Marvel. Fucking buy him. By the way, go get Edgar Wright. Thank you. Yeah. Last time I checked, he's a pretty good filmmaker and, and probably doesn't like Marvel very much. When's the last time he put out a movie? You know, well, I mean, Baby Driver was his last film. He's right. got one. He's got one in the can right That's now. That's four years old, yeah. though. Right? Yeah, he he's was got gonna. One in the can. Be, he was gonna do the first Ant Man, and then he got booed because oh, his vision didn't match. Yep. So they got Peyton Reed. Yeah, um, who's another like which nobody. turned out great. It was but, great. Love, love it, man. Just throw Paul um, Rudd in anything. It's so fine. let's let's uh, take a little break here before we yeah. talk to an incredibly tolerant and thoughtful young man. <laughs> let's get to a word from our sponsor. In 2013, a motion picture version of the Broadway smash Cats was greenlit by Universal Studios. In 2015, Zack Snyder was attached as director. And in 2019, after what could only be described as an abject failure at the box office, we are all left holding the laser toy. Now, two years, 200,000 tweets, and $200 million later, Universal is proud to present Zack Snyder's Cats, Rise of an Empire. With 15 new original songs written by Nick Cave and Kesha, and eight extended slow-motion dance numbers choreographed by Rockstar Games, Zack Snyder's Cats will take you out of this world. Zack Snyder's Cats, Rise of an Empire, coming to Peacock and every theater in Bradenton, Florida this summer. Oh my god, I fucking love cats! (laughs) 
And we're back. Hi, everybody. We don't have any voicemails quite yet. Today is a very special day because we have an incredibly tolerant and thoughtful young man <laughs> on the line. Harrison Went, who is running for City Council of Durango. How are you doing, buddy? I am fantastic. How are all of you? Doing we're well. doing good, Mike. Any we're podcast day is a good day for us because we get to drink whiskey. And we're still alive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's I forget that that's a thing you need that's to say. That's yeah. actually a thing you need to say at this um, point. So, yeah. So, if, if anybody that's outside of Durango doesn't know, um, we have a city council election, and I believe there's only two things on the ballot, and it's uh, three. We're voting for three city council seats, and then there is uh, of the lodger's tax. Um, and, we, you know, last week we kind of talked about how important local elections are and, uh, and, and how you can actually affect your life around you so much more on the local level than, you know, being gung ho for someone on a much bigger level like senate governor um we really have the power to affect our community so harrison let's just start with could you kind of tell everybody what your platform is what are the main things that you're running on for uh, durango city council well there's three key words that i um, am using and it's equity justice and compassion and i know that there's quite a few people in durango who think that uh local government shouldn't worry about those three things um i would highly disagree. I think that we see Congress and Senate not acting on any three of those things ever. Um, so I think it's important that uh, local government starts to take initiative on those on those fronts. Um, one of the biggest things I want to tackle is uh, wealth equity, income inequalities. Um, I think that's something that's a little bit harder for us to tackle, but I think that we can make some huge movements within Durango to fight for these things. We have uh, like 500 nonprofits in Durango and a lot of them focus on equity and uh, diversity and inclusion. And all of that uh, includes um, fighting wealth inequalities. Um, and that is probably the one thing, because I think when we deal with that, we deal with our other issues, homelessness, um, affordable housing, uh, attainable housing, and uh, racial justice. Um, I always say that uh, economic justice is racial justice. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, if you think about it, right, guys, like there's so much of the inequality has to uh, when it comes to economics is whether whether people admit it or not, is that there are very, very thick lines drawn around race that separate people economically. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and has been so. It's written into our Constitution, for God's sake. Um, I read a lot of your... Hi, Harrison. This is Hi. Aaron talking to you. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. <laughs> Hello, sir. Um, I was very excited to see um, you jump and throw your hat in the ring. Um, it's, it makes it very compelling for me. Uh, we said last week we've got a lot of people that I would consider good candidates. And that's a really good problem to have for us here in a little town. Um, uh, and mostly feels progressive um, for the most part. I'm reading your platform. I went on your website. I did my research. I looked through your living room window. Um, <laughs> I tapped your phone. Um, and yes, um, and your pets work for me now. Um, I, I, I did all of those things in, in preparation to have this conversation. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I think you're approaching things from a highbrow standpoint you're and uh, it, may i ask I, I you never ask somebody their age how, you're you're truly a young man are you not 
yet. I'm 23 years old. Ah, uh, sweet Ooh. Christ, get off my phone. Um, <laughs> um, you're, I, but I think one of the biggest knocks for any city council is the fact that it feels like the old guard is there mm, continuously mm-hmm. in perpetuity. And it's so good to get somebody younger that understands how to work a cell phone, um, that understands yes. how to browse on the internet. <laughs> um, yeah, these are these are problems that we've had in the past. I've been in city council meetings. They're very frustrating. My question to you would be this. If and when, you like that? I just, I, I that. put that in. <laughs> if and when, you get onto our city council. Let's say we hit a bottleneck. Let's say there is an absolute roadblock. Um, how do you how do you see yourself working with your fellow councilmen? I, I will be the first to admit that, like working, I, I can make compromises, but I won't make compromises on things that involve um, further disenfranchising people. Uh, and I think that that is something that I will stay very true with. Um, but besides that, I think part of working on a city council is compromise. You have to compromise. Mm. Um, and uh, there are things I am willing to compromise on. Uh, if you're going to talk to me about, uh, say, the lodger's tax was something that I had to compromise on, I would look at all of them and tell them to fuck off because I don't have, I, I, I don't, nice. I don't support what it's, <laughs> I don't okay. support what it's doing right now, um, and what they were. Um, putting it towards there's people in Durango who need help and I don't uh I don't support that we are just asking um for them to fund more tourism in Durango people are going to come here no matter what um I think that when we ask or when we're asking voters to vote for lodgers tax that gives 55 percent of the revenue to visit Durango I have a hard time with that. We have people who are living on the streets who aren't allowed to sit or lie on the sidewalk in downtown Durango (laughs) (laughs) without getting a, without getting a ticket. Uh, I, those are things that I, I can't support and I won't support and I won't compromise on. And and that's that seems to be one of the biggest issues. And I believe, I mean, if you, if you ask the right people around town, they would kind of label you as somebody who's against small business. And I think right. maybe some of the way things have been worded or the way that you've uh, been quoted out of context, that I, do you, I, I imagine you can understand how people think that, but uh, can you kind of elaborate on that for us? Yeah, uh, I... I, I know that people do think I'm against small business. I, I talked to a small business owner in town who felt like I was uh, attacking him. And it's, it, it's the farthest thing from what I'm doing. Um, I think more important than our small businesses is our foundation, our working and middle class. And if we don't focus on those people along with focusing on small businesses, we can't succeed as a city. We can't we, we can't um, further our um, our growth and our agenda within our city if we don't focus on the people who, who really matter the most. Yeah. It's the people who you get your coffee from every morning. It's the people who you order your 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 whiskey from at the at the bars. Um, yeah. And it's it's not that I'm against small businesses. It's just that I believe that we have put so much of our focus into these 
small businesses, but forgot about the people who really, really matter. Yeah. And so my, I, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to press you a little bit on this one, Harrison, because I disagree with you slightly on, on, on the allocation of the lodgers tax. Um, okay. We live in a town of what, 17, we're close to 18,000 people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and 3,100 of those are people that work for restaurants. And our restaurant community took a huge hit with this pandemic. Um, and, and not just this year. If you look at we didn't have any snow. We had no ski season three years ago. Two years ago, we had the fires and people couldn't come here. And then we had the pandemic last year. So uh, being that that tourism, those tourism dollars are being spent to, to, to get more people to go out and eat and drink downtown, um, isn't it arguable that a lot of that is going to help the people that are servers, bartenders, bussers, the people that are getting tipped out, the kitchens are getting tipped out now. And, and they, they're making, my wife serves tables in this town and she's seen a huge dip in her, in her income. So what would you say to people that that say that that they want to see that happen to help the restaurant community? Tourism makes up thirty three percent of our economy. Um, my argument would be, what about that other sixty percent? Um, or I guess that's like seventy percent. Uh, that is our people, the people who live and work here. And if we can invest in our people who live and work here, yeah, will we not see an increase in? more money uh in the hands of people who live in um and you know who live and work in durango but by no means am i calling for no funding for marketing or tourism at all i believe that that is crucial to the future of our city as well um i think 55 percent is absurd being that visit durango also receives funding from uh the county as well okay um but, you know, another thing that I've been having issues with, uh, Visit Durango has had a lot of issues in the last two months. Um, yeah, we've regarding- seen those and they're <laughs> fairly like they're so tone deaf. I was pretty horrified to see some of the stuff they were doing. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think I honestly think that I and maybe this is maybe this is something I need to work on. But I think I would be a little more inviting to 55 percent if I saw an organization that was promoting inclusive marketing <laughs> that, and that's and, fair man i cannot agree with you more on that yeah. because Probably. all i see is uh, a company promoting you know um we want rich white folks <laughs> we want rich, yes, white, rich folks. white folks <laughs> okay rich let's can we put it on the table rich white people the worst they're the worst Okay, uh, I'm speaking horrible. from a rich white person standpoint <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. you so, are, well then you buy the whiskey every you, you fucking have, week you then, have bro. no idea the deepness of my pockets, sir. Um, Bobby, what do you have to ask Harrison? Uh, hey, Harrison, this is Bobby. Um, Hi, Bobby. I mean, I, I would agree with you, and I would even maybe take it a step further. I, like the one thing I've done is actually looked at the lodger tax. I think it's a reactive policy rather than being proactive. And you're talking yes. about building more grassroots, uh, building up a foundation for all of this stuff to actually work, get money mm-hmm. into the hands of people, and then tourism takes care of itself. I think that's kind of your position, but I, I don't want to paraphrase for you. Um, no, no, it definitely is. That definitely is my. But position. yeah, I, I just I don't like reactive. Like, oh, this is fucked up, and now we've got to do something rash to make it fucking mm-hmm. work again. I, I we're reacting to the pandemic like it's never going to end. It's going to end, and and tourism is going to continue to happen. It's happened while we're going through this pandemic, of course. But, yeah, and I mean, I imagine that that has to be one of the things they considered when trying to convince all the lodgers because the the lodgers aren't here. I mean, they are using that uh, phrase, the tax that locals don't pay, because it's people like you know people that have stakes in uh, you know Spring Hill Suites and things like that are going to be paying this tax. Now, I get that it makes sense that they're okay with that tax. 
being split up this way because as we increase tourism, that increases their bookings. So what would you say to like, let's let's say a local hotel owner that's like, well, I'm okay with it as long as it's getting me more people through the door. But if we're not going to put it towards tourism, why should they stop? Why, why should they now not just fight the tax hall together? Uh well, I, almost every county and city in Durango has a lodger's tax, and there is nothing uh, within the lodger's tax that says that it has to go towards tourism. Okay. Um, and and they, they can certainly fight it, but realistically, it's about time that tourism start paying a tax that supports Durango. Mm. Um, <laughs> for so long, I mean, I, I was just using an example the other day. None of us can even go use the Ice Lakes Trail this summer nope. because uh tourism has essentially ruined it because of uh the lack of um respect for our backcountry mm-hmm. um and yes i think some of that marketing money would go towards uh promoting you know more uh you know better tourism more sustainable tourism um but this money needs to be used to support our people and not tourism I'm going to stay strong behind that. And a lot of people I've talked to, people who are progressive voters and who, who love the idea of the lodger's tax, because I do too, are, are saying, I'm voting no. I'm not calling for a vote yes or a vote no. I think at one point I thought about it, but it's not my job to do that. Um, I think we just need to present facts and present um, the real struggles that people are living with in Durango. I mean, for God's sake, Durango has like listed as like top number 10 in the country to visit. I I think like three times in the last two years on like USA today. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll keep saying it. People are going to come here. They're not going anywhere. Uh, Great point. Um, Can I put a little bit of, I'm going to gild the lily a little bit um, on what you're saying. So this is the classic progressive argument. Which is, which is, if we take care of our individuals, those in turn will take care of the greater good. And, and I, I think that's the premise and the basis of, of what you're talking about. So, as an example, if we give X amount of money to the individuals that are living here, it'll thereby be more attractive for people to visit. And then tourism increases because the people that are actually living here are doing better. It makes for a better community. It makes for a better experience for the people visiting. So it's kind of like you're, you're, you're curing the cancer from the nucleus out rather than the, the outside in. Um, and I, I, at the very least, Bobby's a soak dem. Probably, I think both of us are are leaning heavily socialist. We think Bernie Sanders is too right. Um, uh, <laughs> Sean, Sean is a classic conservative racist, and what? that's why that's why this podcast works. Dude, um, I come from um, the Bay fine. Area of no, California, it's the fine. most diverse. And you don't need to you don't need to defend yourself. You're Jesus fine. Jesus Christ. Um, but, but we all just take fucking accountability. That's what's up. That's you know, what's up, Harrison. You know what, Sean? I have a black friend too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 
I have four in eighth <laughs> you grade. You piece of shit. Dude, there's only 100 in Durango. You can't take 4% of the entire black um, population. So I, um, I think a good question now would be, like, if you were if you were able to redistribute that lodger's tax, and I'm not sure how it works. I'm not sure if once that goes through, the city council has the ability to change any way that any of that's, uh, at, that's split up. I know you've said that you wanted more to go towards transportation, but I mean, how exactly would your, what would exactly be your plan for helping the community with that money? Uh, I've thought a lot about this. Uh, I essentially kind of want to turn it backwards. Uh, Our public transportation is literally going to drive itself off a cliff by 2023 if we don't invest in it now. Um, Public transportation is crucial to our future of gaining and expanding more affordable and attainable housing. Um, because uh, a lot of a lot of affordable and attainable housing also includes having less parking, um, and we need to create a whole multimodal plan with uh, our affordable and attainable housing, and that includes public transportation. Uh, I would say give fifty percent to public transportation, twenty percent to uh, visit Durango uh, marketing, tourism. 20% to arts and culture, which increases uh, attractions, increases uh, um, social and emotional wellness within our community. Uh, it's proven that arts and culture mm-hmm. um, totally promotes uh, social and emotional wellness. And then that remaining 10% can be chosen by councils, uh, by any future council on where it should go, whether that's transportation, arts and culture, or even marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, I even thought about you know, having a little bit of fund in there for businesses who are struggling from the impacts that we'll see for years to come from COVID. Nice. And then we, and so with, with regards to helping out our community members, you've mentioned how, how bad our homeless problem is here. And I mean, we think it's bad here because we live in our own little bubble, but if you've walked through Hollywood, like I did last year, if you've walked through parts of Los Angeles, New York, the shanty towns and the homeless problem is a, is a severe epidemic in this entire country. How would you tackle that locally? What would be your first order of business for helping the homeless members of our community? Uh, we need more than one location. Uh, it's, uh, I always struggle with how to word this, but there's, there are people who, um, who choose the lifestyle. They don't want, they don't want help to get out of the lifestyle. They, they, um, that's how they want to live. And so what we need to do for those people is provide a space for them to camp. Um, and, uh, from there, we need to also provide, and I don't like using the word shelter very much because I don't think shelter helps people remove themselves uh, from being unhoused. Uh, we need to provide a full service um, apartment, basically, for these people uh, where they can get their health care access on site, where they can get their meals on site, where they can get uh, you know social and emotional uh, wellness and therapy on site. And then, of course, addiction and mental health, you know, rehabilitation services uh, on site. Uh, we need more than one space, one one where people can camp outside, one where we can get people shelter on the inside. Um, and really, we have that plan in place. It's just about executing it now yeah. and finding that space. And unfortunately, looking at neighbors who live in their multi-million dollar homes and don't want them near them and just saying, sorry, uh, we need a solution. And as much as we want to please you, we can't please everyone. And we're going to uh, have to place these people here. That's so true. Sorry, Bobby. No, it's okay. It's a very classic, not in my backyard politics. 
that, 100%. that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You'd have about. the yeah. most leftist, like someone that's very, very affluent and they are such a huge Democrat. But as soon as they want to put something next to their house, yeah. they're 100 percent not for it. It's fucked 100%. up. So, Harrison, we are not in the business of endorsing candidates on the Whiskey Reel, but we love <laughs> giving you an opportunity to talk. And we're giving that opportunity to anyone that really wants to, to do the same. Um, totally. But I would love to give you an opportunity. There's some really good people. Some of our friends are running for these seats. Um, if you had a moment to differentiate yourself and say, this is why I am the candidate. And I know you're not a negative guy. You're a very tolerant, thoughtful young man. <laughs> <laughs> we've said that. I think we've said that. We've said that. And obviously, okay. I'm not trying to get you to go low. But if, if you had to di- just differentiate yourself from the other candidates running in this election... How would you do so? And you can make it a stump speech if you want. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, my age is the biggest thing. Um, I'm 23 years old. Uh, I'd say besides Jessica, everyone else is over the age of 50. Um, and Jessica's an amazing human, and I appreciate her and love her. And I, I we haven't talked a lot, but I am thrilled to see her doing this because I think she adds a great balance of, you know, business onto the council. Uh, but I am, I'm different because I, I'm an activist and a community organizer. I also identify as queer. Um, and I have fought my battles within myself of addiction and mental health. I'm 18 months sober now. Wow. Um, congratulations, congratulations, man. Good <laughs> I'm going to pour and some I, whiskey right now, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic Aaron. When Sorry. I was... It's, it's our brand. It was a it's trigger. branding. Okay. Oh, it is your brand. God damn it. I, I don't have any triggers anymore. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? The people who comment on my fucking, on my fucking, um, on my ads on Facebook, you, I would have, I, I have to just segue for a second. The other day I posted, uh, Rashida to Yes, uh, she's a congresswoman. I, um, we love we love gang gang. Yes, and I she posted fuck white supremacy, and some guy who I won't name commented, "Stay classy, Durango." And all I could think to myself was, "Well, what the fuck do you want me to say about white supremacy?" No, no, bad, bad, don't do it. Oh That's <laughs> dude. You can't even say. I bet if you tweeted right now, fuck Hitler. You get some blowback like you never knew him. He was a wonderful he was painter. An ar- he was an artist. He was such a good painter. Um, it, yes. You just you just can't win, dude. That's why that's why I'm off social media completely. I don't care. Lucky you're running. Master. You're running for city council. So uh, bless your heart. Um, but I think it's a the poison of humanity, in my opinion. <laughs> um, that being said, um, it's going to be very hard to vote against you at this point. Yeah, I was like, so it's you and Jessica, and who else should we vote for, you've kind of, <laughs> You've kind of swayed me with your silky tones. Mm. Um, and oh, so good. I'm glad. Absolutely. Um, you were, when I was 23, um, <laughs> let's just say I wasn't prepared to run for city council. Um, let's just say that. And lastly, I have to ask you, um, yeah. we've heard through the grapevine that your biggest competitor was Moonbeam Hannity. And I need you to, I need you to, uh, if you're going to say something to this woman, then you need to say it now. Um, Well, first of all, the fucking gun racks on your Subaru Crosstrek 
What the actual fuck? And then second of all, plant-based diet? That's fucking disgusting. Right? <laughs> Thank meat. you. Say yes to me. <laughs> yes, sir. Do you mean that in more ways than Hey, Sean, you oh, stop it. Uh, see, I told you. I can see. I know. I know my boy Harrison. You, you stop it right now. He's my boy now. Harrison, um, I'm really proud of you honestly as a 23 year old like i said i wasn't that wasn't that wasn't hyperbole when i was 23 i literally was trying to figure out to, to live to 24 literally <laughs> um I, I i can't say that man if you were if you were my kid and you could be uh i would be very proud of you and i'm i i love where you're going and why you're going there um yeah. we need more progressive voices in uh, local politics, in federal politics, in state government. Um, and so it's going to be, unless Frank Lockwood slips me a hundy, um, <laughs> which probably won't happen. Good to know that um, you can be bought. Oh, I could totally, yeah. dude, I'm such a whore. Um, I could totally be bought. Uh, but <laughs> outside like of 50 the, bucks, it's a hundy. It's yeah. a, it's a <laughs> Benjo, dude. It's a um, I, can, I can't provide you a hundred, but I can definitely provide you something else. Hey, <laughs> that's what's up. You could slip me a Harriet Tubman. Um, so what, what does that mean? That's a 20. That that's oh, the new uh, 20. Jesus. I was like, God, you guys are I got so nervous. Whatever. I was like in my head trying to go down those websites and have all the fucked up sexual things. I'm like, what's the Harriet welcome, Tubman? Welcome to the boomer cast. Um, Harrison, you're a good guy. Keep developing and uh, let's get you on city council so that we have a counterpart to people that still use flip phones. Yes. Yes, please. Okay. Yes, please. And thank you. Absolutely. Um, I just want to, I want to give one final stump um, please. and just leave it at that. Um, I fell in love with Durango for its beauty and its community and opportunity for growth. But with that said, I recognize and wish to see change within the systemic inequities put in place to hinder opportunity and advancement for our most vulnerable citizens. Um, I believe that we can be the stewards of revolutionary change in regards to local governments, but the time to act is now. While I can be funny, I can also be serious. Um, and I think that's good to differentiate with people listening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry if there are our audience is a bunch of nightmares. So they'll be like, oh, great. They're, yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of voter registration cards in our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's something we can end on. That's a big issue is the problem is the people that have the same views as Harrison and want to see these changes and are the lower class in this area are also generally the people that don't vote for city council, aren't yeah. even aware that there's right. this very small ballot thing. They pay attention occasionally to the big elections and that's it. So yeah. if you are out there and you're not registered to vote and you're not going to vote on this, I strongly suggest you change that. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, there's two things that we won't abide by sobriety and W2s. <laughs> we have neither. <laughs> I, I love it. You're, 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 a, you're a great man among good men, Harrison. Thank you. Really? Thank you, you are. Keep fighting the good fight, brother. Harrison, I thank will. you so I much. Will. Thank you. You guys have a good one. Yeah, you thank too, you, sir. The system is down. The system. I told you to stop throwing light switch rays in here, man. <laughs> How can people get a hold of us, you 
mighty, mighty Coxman. If you want to call us and uh, maybe leave a voicemail, you can call 970-426-5344. Peter Pansexual. 970-426-5344. If you happen to also be running for city council, leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text to that number and we will set up a time to talk with you before the election. You only got a couple weeks left, so hurry up on that. If you're not into that, you can email us at whiskeyreel at gmail.com or hit us up via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at whiskeyreel. Now, before we get into the one text and the one voicemail we have, Bobby wants to issue a retraction. I'm going to issue, um, it's less of a retraction because I can't take it back. Okay. (laughs) But what I can do, I can't retract, but I can mea culpa. Okay. And that's what we do now. Um, I was actually really shitty upon re-listening to last week's episode. I maybe had a couple of drinks before this all happened. Uh, Last week? (laughs) Kind of had a rough day. If you saw the video Um, of the Rob Zombie, listening to Rob Zombie, you look like you were fading right there. (laughs) I was pretty fady. And I had just given up on a huge pile of sex. Yep. I was in a bad mood. But I sort of jumped on two of our best friends of the podcast willy-nilly. A little bit, yeah. Not a lot of... Uh, you're a little Weinstein-y. I was weinstein <laughs> You're a little like, oh, what, you're so mad that we love you and want to touch you're your boobs? Quit you're whining, so mad bitches. that I think you're fucking hot and I want to touch your ass? <laughs> you know I, I, what? You you two bitches and Rose McGowan never working in this town again. You're done. You're done. Not to take that lightly. No. But wow. No. But to be clear, I, I, I was a little insensitive to two of my friends... Um, Facebook posts and things that have actually happened to them, but I was feeling—I I don't know—I was, I was a kind of in a woman haters club last wow. Saturday, and, and I'm going to call them out by name. I'm going to say Jill, Emma, you beautiful young women, you're perfect. I love you guys. You're good friends of ours, and you guys support the podcast. And I was being a dick last week, and I am offering full mea culpa, apologies all around, and I hope you guys continue to support. The whiskey ring. Good for you. Yes. Thanks, Bob. Good for you. That's, for a, that's really, us. that's mighty white of you. Um, and <laughs> we, we spent, wow. We, do people still say that? That's fucking horrible. Um, so the last week, we didn't say this the last couple of weeks, but our friend Nick sent in a text message. And uh, this goes back to our WandaVision discussion when we thought for sure we were going to see Mephisto. And Nick has a casting choice that is going to blow us all back. Nick said, I quote, Rowan Atkinson as Mephisto or I'm not seeing it. Wow. Rowan Atkinson. Mr. Bean. The Black Adder. I I prefer to uh, remember him as the Black Adder. Mr. Bean as as Mr. Mr. Bean. Well, stop it. He's Johnny English. Let's be honest. He's Ramada's first husband from Hot Shots Part D. Holy shit, that's right. If Rowan Atkinson started doing gay porn and called himself Mephisto, I would watch (laughs) it. I'd probably watch it. That would be the only way I'm watching Mephisto. Would it be He's a funny, funny man. He's a funny, funny man. Um, I will be devil's advocate for Nick. Uh, I think Rowan Atkinson has had some really, really... I mean, Blackadder, like Sean mentioned, is one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. His reverend, or whatever they call it in fucking England, character that he played in Four Weddings and a Funeral is hysterically (laughs) fucking funny. It is so ridiculously funny. The Holy Spigot. I yes. mean, come on, fuck up. That was a really fucking funny moment. Oh, yeah. I get it. He's 
more Benny Hill than he is Monty Python. I was going to say, for somebody who hates <laughs> Benny Hill, yeah. fuck your face. He's more and, Benny Hill than he is Monty Python, but he's still a very, very funny and man. And I'm a Benny Hill guy. I am unabashed. I, I grew up laughing to Benny Hill. And I doubt that it's going to happen, though, because if if you're a Brit you and you follow Rowan Atkinson, you'd know he's been in the news plenty of times regarding his staunch support for Brexit and his anti-immigrant stance. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, he's very much with the very rich white folks in, in Great Britain. Um, so I doubt Disney would touch him with a 10-foot pole, knowing that in the UK, they're probably not going to sell a lot of fucking tickets, I, I hear DC has some openings. Yeah, dude. But <laughs> DC will take him. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson. DC. So Rowan Atkinson doesn't love brown people, but he says it in a way that's so charming and hilarious yeah. that you kind of yeah. give him a pass? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I'm just waiting for that's the That's pretty DC. Monty okay. Python-ish. It's Next DC movie. Floofy. Next DC movie, we got Army Hammer, because he's canceled as Batman. Yep. All right, Alfred will be fucking Rowan Atkinson. Who else is canceled that we can just, the cancel culture fiasco that is the DC universe going forward. Who do we cast? Oh, shit. Um, Jeez, who's been... Harvey Weinstein as Darkseid. I'm going to say <laughs> Gina Carano as Commissioner Gordon. Perfect. I mean, she's going to fill that she's role out. She's the commish. She I, fills everything she fills out. Everything out. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think oh about God. it, if you think about someone's <laughs> career, if you think about an actress's career and her whole way of being, being her world, you know, Darkseid destroyed how many thousand worlds? I'd say Weinstein's close to world destroyer as yeah. Darkseid. Yeah, yeah. She's really, yeah, he's ruined a, a lot of worlds. Yes, he Weinstein has. was a problem. I don't know if you guys have read about him. Yeah. No. It seems no. like he did a lot I've of never like, heard inappropriate of shit with a do? lot of women. Crazy. I know. It was weird. Have you guys heard about this Bill Cosby thing? <laughs> what? Do you mean that he's hilarious in America's Dad? I heard that. I, I heard, heard that he has part. Sick That's... fucking sweaters, dude. Yep. Wow. Um, so we have uh, we have one voicemail now since we spend a the lion's share of this podcast talking about the Snyder cut. Uh, of we don't care. Justice League. We're we're going long today because you guys deserve uh, it. Bobby planted a seed in old John Brown's fucking stupid head and was like, "Hey, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Snyder cut. Give us a Snyder cut." Really, you always tend to text him too when you know he's at peak fucking highness. Yeah. I mean, he's super baked out of his gourd. Because I'm going to have to Wait edit all this out. Does John smoke weed? Um, he's been known to. Okay. If I just want to clarify. If I'm the fried piper, what's John Brown's weed-related nickname? I will come up with that. Okay. You're the on The only it. thing I've ever known about John Brown is like that fucking absolute elderflower vodka. Yes. Ew. Uh, wildflower. Yes. Or yes it's like dog that. shit. And weed. Just That's weed. It. That's it. <laughs> I mean, there was a time in our lives when we used to drink a lot of gin and tonics until, like, we got shamed by what? racists. What? In fu- what? Have I never told you this? No. So we were stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi. We were in the Air Force Oh, together. that's why. And, and you were in Mississippi. That's the story. That, there you go. Look at that fucking queer washing his hands. Look, hey, look at that piece of shit wearing oh shoes God. out in no, public. I actually remember very distinctly going up to a bar, ordering three gin and tonics for our table. And the girl looked at me like, really? You want gin and tonic? And I'm not exaggerating or being hyperbolic. Fuck out of here, dude. And she's like, isn't that kind of a brown drink? And I'm like, actually, madam, it's quite clear. Wait. Hey. What are you trying to say? (laughs) You meant, oh, you meant I should be brown. Yeah. That's weird. It was gross, dude. Yeah. It was gross. Biloxi Blues. We just kept going back to that bar, though, because like, where the fuck else were we going to go? We were in Biloxi. 
By the way, it was called the Upstairs Downstairs, and I'm pretty sure there was some fucking scandalous shit going on was at that bar, of course. Some and race was not really the issue. There was some <laughs> Escher <laughs> stairs that there, led to nowhere. There was karaoke yeah. on the bottom, <laughs> dance floor up top, and then like I think there was yeah. like some swing dancing or something. And, up but, and, and nothing in the middle. Human trafficking in the basement. <laughs> and then human trafficking in the middle. Yeah. And a bunch of racist fucking cunt cocktail waitresses. Yeah. A lot of, lot of banjos. I've never been shamed for ordering a gin and tonic. That's the weirdest yeah. thing in the Until world. Until that moment. I well, know. And we don't we don't take hard stances too often on a lot of things. But if you're in Mississippi, please kill yourself. Like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Just we, please we, just walk into the fucking well, river. Input. I was there for Hurricane Katrina and I watched basically that entire city of Biloxi, Mississippi get shoved out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they should have fucking left it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I'm asking you as a Californian by, by these are jokes. Californian <laughs> Who the by fuck listens to Biloxi. <laughs> Nobody cares. Watch Bradenton jumped on board. Now Biloxi Biloxi's blows gonna up. Blow so, so born in California, we're the eighth largest economy in the world as a state. Then I moved to Colorado, who then you know is a very important player in the world's economy because of weed. Yes, that's very. What does Mississippi do? Gambling. Shrimp. No, I'm sorry. Nevada does that. What is Mississippi? No, shrimp. Do? Shrimp boats. Shrimp. Stop shrimp. It, dude. To be no. clear, west the of the shrimp industry does not hold up an entire. State. I know. I watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. I know Jesus the business isn't doing Christ. well. <laughs> west of the Mississippi, south of the Mason Dixon, Biloxi, Mississippi was the gambling capital of mm. fucking planet Earth. Like yeah. in those nine states. Oh, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But do you know what I'm saying? What but do you, what do you they had a role. To the union. I mean, they mostly provided the murder of a several hundred thousand young black men. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and Native Americans when you go back further. <laughs> sure. If you go back further, it gets gross. So go fuck yourself, Mississippi. <laughs> so uh, fuck let's it. listen to John Brown's voicemail that's not about Mississippi. Am I crookletta, crookletta, ah, humpback, humpback, ah. What is happening? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's going full Sean Moe. <laughs> Yo, what up, motherfucker? Why is he so happy? Hey, hey, He's guys. Not... It's John okay. Brown. Okay. Hey, yeah. I was just calling because I uh, kind of missed uh, hearing my voice next to Bobby's. So hmm. uh, I just wanted to hear it. Salient. Got a few things. Uh, I just watched um, sort of uh, the, the Zack Snyder um, director's cut, Justice League. What a bag of bullshit that was. God. <laughs> I, I wasn't really expecting anything less, but it's <laughs> fucking terrible. I I think I watched 35 minutes of it before I just said, nope. Wow. Can't watch slow motion sweat any longer. Um, I don't think Martin Scorsese could have really made that movie any better. <laughs> um, I watched, uh, this week I watched Nomadland. It's pretty good. It's really for uh, maybe like empty nest mothers. Um, but it's well acted. It's beautifully shot. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, these are my moving recommendations, I guess. Uh, okay. I don't know why I'm calling. Um, so high. Uh, oh, let's... Let me wait. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's you know, so high. Oh, so, Bobby, found it again. to you that I, I do watch the uh, Harry Potter series pretty much from Prisoner Azkaban uh, to the end probably three or four times a year, and now my son's into it. Um, so I just wanted to call and say a nice movie to revisit that I probably wouldn't have listed as one of my favorites of the series, but Order of the Phoenix is probably the third best movie in there. Um, I would have said Prisoner of Azkaban, 
No. Sean's probably cut all of this off. So, no. uh, but there, it's a good movie. Order I'm of the say Phoenix, no. I think, might be my... my uh, I like the last two movies the best, um, and then Order of the Phoenix. So, did anyone ask? Nope. Bye. <laughs> all right, John. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to ignore we your comments. We have a comments. lot to unpack. I'm going to ignore his comments about the Snyder Cut, because I don't want to focus on that. What I want to focus on <laughs> is his comments about Nomadland. Now, he said it was for a movie that's made for empty nester mothers, obviously. And mm-hmm. I was like, so, you know, knowing that you are a sociopath, John, I know that it's tough <laughs> for you to actually, you know, empathize and sympathize <laughs> with other people. Put yourself in someone else's <laughs> shoes. Uh, but some of us, we watch movies and we go, oh, man, I, even though I've never been in that spot, I really feel for Francis McDormand's character because, you know, we're not sociopaths. Yeah, dude, l- let's put this on the table. Francis McDormand is one of the coolest dudes <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, yeah. He kills it. Um, <laughs> so outside of that, very talented guy. Um, and nobody's disputing that. Nobody's disputing that. Um, trust me. No, I've seen the three signs in a billiard or a billboard or whatever. That movie's amazing. It was fantastic. Um, he's great. You uh, shut your mouth. Outside Dude, of that. She was a smoke show in the dark man fucking blood simple days. You were not, um, right. So Order <laughs> of the Phoenix is dog shit. Um, it's a dog shit movie. Can I high five you on that? Thank I don't you. like that one at all. It's I know dog you guys shit. agreed with that. And you're it's both wrong. Super dog shit. I love Prisoner uh, of Azkaban. Now, I actually love Goblet of Fire, and people hate I am, that movie. I am the I am the one of the few that haven't read the books. Oh my god, have you read the books? Okay, I'm watching it as fucking movie. Yeah, that movie was not as good as the other movies. I don't know what else to say about that. I don't know what how to to contextualize that. I thought the last Harry Potter movie was the best Harry Potter movie, and I worked my way backwards. Azkaban, dope as shit. Yeah, the original one, dope as shit. Or that that Order of the Phoenix shit falls to the wayside for me as a moviegoer and not a reader because I can't read. Okay, may I? Since I've done all of it, yes. Goblet of Fire is a bad movie. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Look, <laughs> the it's just all but. It's- it, it's just okay. an action movie. May I? Yes. So the reason it's a bad fucking movie is because the novel is really fucking fun. It's yeah. one of the better Harry Potter novels. It's yeah. so much fucking fun. The movie is, it's slight and it doesn't like, like you got major characters like fucking dying in it and no one really gives half a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all a payoff that where you get to see Voldemort at the end and they do the little standoff. Like yeah. that's really what the filmmaker was doing was creating that moment. Like, it was really transparent. Um, Order of the Phoenix is the hardest of those novels to adapt. It's huge. It's long. There's super fuck. It's dense. Like, like for a fucking fantasy kids novel, it's a dense motherfucker, dude. Like, there's a lot going on. But we get, like, Bellatrix coming on the scene. We get the death of fucking um, Gary Oldman, which, I mean, Gary Oldman dies a lot in movies. (laughs) Every single movie yeah i don't want to overstate it <laughs> but it was serious black dying was a big fucking moment have in you movie. seen like, the was... Zack snyder cut of order of phoenix <laughs> it's dope uh, i heard I get... it was 17 hours long <laughs> yeah, dude, dude i get what you're saying and i understand it i so i won't say that it's a bad movie it's my least favorite it was bored the shit out of me but as somebody that read all the books like you did and my brother who read all the books 
if you've read all the books and especially made it all the way to the end of the line to realize how important and all the seeds that that shit was planting, it's like this big, it's so good because it's such good writing to set up all that shit that happened later. It's a, it's a building block for the last three. Yeah. And the reason I love the Goblet of Fire movie is because I didn't read the fucking books and I don't really care. I just like to watch the movies. And I was like, that was a spectacle that I enjoyed watching and kept me entertained. No. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. As, As a neophyte to it and a non-reader of it, because I'm a uh, grown-up, um, as a non-reader of it, I looked at it, and as a singular space and time, a movie, I did not enjoy that movie. And that that, that it's, it's, it's just a snapshot. And I understand there's no context. Whereas, like, I read Stephen King, and I watch, and I go, that's not as good, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't read any of this shit. So yeah. I'm just looking at it strictly yeah, yeah, from a sure. cinematic value. And that Order of the Phoenix was dog shit. It just was bored. bored Cinematically. That's it. I, look, I get it. I get as why the Order cinema, of the Phoenix You is, understand, yes. like, just as me as a moviegoer and not a reader, you yeah. understand how I would, I like, be like, exactly. Order of Phoenix kind of was... I get it, yeah. No, and that's even plus, to this day, man. I honestly, like, as good as those last two movies were, as good as the last they were so good. movies were, um, I still think Prisoner of Azkaban... It's the, the best, best one. As Alfonso Cuaron. Not the last one. Prisoner of Azkaban. When when Alfonso Cuaron came into the series right after fucking like doing Little Princess or whatever he did, um, <laughs> killed it, man. Like he, he it was the most. It it feels more like a Harry Potter movie than any of the than other any films. Any other the films. For me as a moviegoer, Prisoner of Azkaban is a close number two, but the literal last section of Deathly Hollows, for me as a Pure movie going experience cinematically. The last Deathly Hollows 2 was insanity. L- is so good. Yeah. It made it everything paled in comparison. It's the return of me. the Jedi for me, though. Okay. okay. I got so, you. So, like, Half Blood Prince you. is my Empire Strikes Back in the Harry Potter world. Oh, uh, God. You were. St- dude, literally? Are you fucking kidding me? My Dumbledore vagina. got fucking killed. My yes. vagina is trying. <laughs> Dumbledore. Jesus. <laughs> no, and I'm, Azkaban, up. I'm agreeing with him on Prisoner of Azkaban because I saw the first two movies in the theater and was like, those are, I guess, okay for kids. And then when I was dragged to see the third one because I didn't give a shit anymore, I saw that shit and went, oh, all right, fine, fucking, I am strapped in for the rest of these fuckers. Fun, dude. Yeah, I was like, I was a Harry Potter fan now. My brother's like, really? Cool, here's the books. I'm like, I've got too much weed to smoke and too much drinking to do. Fuck these books. I want to sit down for two hours and dude, just absorb it. Literally, reading is for simps. So, now is the time where we clutch our pearls of wisdom. All right. Okay. I'm ready. I got it written down. Hey, do what you say you're going to do. If you're going to do something and say you're going to do something, it's super easy. Do it. The worst thing in the world is saying, I'm going to do this and I want to start this business and I want to do this and I want to do that. And it's just blood. You know what? You know what people that are successful do? They don't talk about what they're going to do. They just do it, dude. Literally, stop talking about how fucking you're going to open this and do this. And man, it's so horseshit. Just fucking. Do- how about this? How about this? Let's make amends. How about you do it first, then tell me about it instead of telling me what you're going to do. How about telling me what you did? 
Wow. Sir. Yeah, and that dog shit, man. Fucking do what you say you're going to do or shut the fuck up because nobody has time for your little fantasyful fucking bullshit. You know I'm going to fucking open up a CrossFit gym person. You know I'm going to fucking software develop a fucking game. You know you people. Shut the fuck up. Do it and then tell me about what you did, not what you're going to do. I masturbated three times today. Tell me that's that's your pearl. That's all you're saying. Because that's brilliant. <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit. No, it's not my pearl, but that's all really right. funny. Sean, and no, Sean I didn't. Up. I didn't masturbate three times this week. Outside of masturbating, um, my pearl of wisdom, like this whole media conversation that we've been doing this entire podcast, is like kind of made me think about something that we're all in this like weird time of content being a little hard to come by. Uh, we're not going to theaters, although the theaters are now reopening. Thank God. I think it's time to broaden horizons and we probably should have had this conversation, you know, 13 months ago and like just realize that there's a lot of great content out there. Yes. There is a world of Korean films that are fucking amazing. There's old British comedy that you Mm -hmm. can delve into. Watch, watch with Nell and I and watch life of Brian and just indulge yourself and like open yourself up to an experience every once in a while. It applies to women as well. (laughs) (laughs) Open your mind, man. Like broaden your horizons. I so know where you're going, and you're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, I broad. Hey, I'm just kidding. I, I, I kid. But no, like it really is. This is a time. This is a hard time for all of us. And the fucking we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The finish line is within view. Mm -hmm. We can see it. It's there. It's coming. President Biden. Told us May 1st. If he doesn't fall on his face going into Air Force One first and die, then... He's an old man trying to walk upstairs. Thank you. I'm going to cut him yeah, a little bit of fucking slack. Dog. Obama fell up those fucking stairs. And that Thank guy's a you. pimp. Thank yeah. you. And he wore a tan suit. He could shoot threes. He's okay, but he still fell Dude, going up the goddamn stairs. his three game is fucking... His three game is legit. Hello. I'm just saying. <laughs> Broaden your horizons. Sleep with beautiful women from other countries. <laughs> Madagascar is a great country. Watch, they're they're really watch like, Park Chan Wook movies. Like, open your fucking mind. Yeah, like, dude. I mean, for Christ's sake, watch the meaning of life. I bet none of you have watched Monty Python's Meaning of Life. Get a blowjob in Sri Lanka. I get. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Talk to a stranger. Take the ugliest girl home from a party. I've they're done at that. The, they're at the tab <laughs> in about four hours. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Who's the ugliest girl at the tab right now? That's my date. That's um, my date. I'm going to put do, my fucking. Do you want me to put names on it? Gonna, <laughs> I'll put some. I'm going to put my money name, dude. where my mouth is. Uh, I'm going to the tab as soon as we're is, done. Dog. <laughs> Yikesy. Okay, so my pearl is try. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's so try. hard to follow my so disjointed fucking. Bullshit. No matter how busy you get, it's important to focus on the things that really matter, and you should be masturbating at least three times a day, everybody. You think so? No. No, I'm just going off of your bullshit from no, before. No, that's not okay. Um, it, going on what you were saying about how there's all this extra content out there and how we are at the home stretch. Um, during this home stretch, I feel like we're all starting to get a lot more antsy. Like, this is where a lot of experts fear that we're going to see another huge spike because everybody's getting really confident and thinks that they can just go out. They see how many people have been vaccinated and that makes them bulletproof. Um, so... 
pay attention to the little things and try to bask in the little wins as we're slowly moving out of this. Like our movie theater just opened. I've got a $5 ticket to see that fucking movie with uh, Spider-Man and Ray from Star Wars. I don't even know the name of the movie. I just wanted to get a fucking ticket. And it was that was the only thing besides Tom and Jerry I could see at that time. And fuck Tom and Jerry. Um so pay attention to the little wins, like try to bask in these little wins as little things as if maybe you can finally just go to a restaurant. Enjoy that. That doesn't mean you can go spit in people's mouths at the fucking starlight while you rub up against them because everybody's fine now. Don't do that shit. Enjoy the little wins and let's roll this out slowly. If I could take a moment to piggyback on Sean's point when you're at the tab. Yes. Go ugly early. Yes. Yep. And vote, vote for the gays. <laughs> now, how many dead eyes can you look into before you die inside yourself? I've been dead inside a long time. You don't want to kill me. I'm your best friend. You need me. To help you undo this world you created by letting her die. So as usual, I'll be the bigger man. A truce, Bruce. But all you have to do is tear a nap, and I'm happy to discuss with you in any way you like why you sent a boy wonder to do a man's job. Because when I held Harley quiet, and she was bleeding and dying, 